Welcome to the Domestiques. We are in Adelaide for the Tour Down Under. And it really, it won't come as any surprise if you ask us, where the hell have we been over the last couple of days? Well, we have been missing in action. Um, because of technical audio issues with our live broadcast in the Tour Village, we as a team have made the call to abandon the live element and focus purely on this, the podcast, the world's greatest, best cycling podcast. And that's exactly what we are doing here today after the completion of stage two. The background noise, well, we are in uh, the Hilton Hotel in the foyer, and uh, that's what you can hear. I am Mike Tomolaris. It's great to be with you. I'm joined by my wonderful teammates, domestic teammates, and Matilda Reynolds and Lee Hollywood Turner. Guys, Hey, we made the right call. Yeah, we missed everyone. We had, I will say, if you were there, we had two great live shows. I will miss the applause and the cheers and the kissing babies, but we just really felt like the audio just wasn't good enough to the highest standard that our listeners expect, even though it's pretty shit most of the time anyway. But we, uh, we just thought it was important that um, we actually put our listeners first, and so here we are, and it means we can have some fantastic guests uh, on the pod as well, and uh, so that'll continue throughout the week, and we'll try to bring the tour to our listeners. Hollywood, I've got so many messages from people saying, where is Hollywood? Why haven't you published a, a program, a, a broadcast of the Domestics in the last two days? They miss you, they love you. I've been riding my bike, and I've actually ridden with you for about 10 metres before you dropped off the back, so that was good. <laughs> but uh, no, it's good to be in here. Disappointed the first two shows didn't come to light because they were crackers. But uh, now we're here saying we've got a very special guest today, which we'll get to shortly. And as a courtesy and acknowledgement to our sponsors, it's great to be sitting alongside uh, each of each and every one of you in the same place, in the same location. And we have reached out to our sponsors. They're very happy with the call that we've made. And who are our sponsors? Yeah, it's um, thanks to Honan Insurance. Throw me under the bus there. Honan Insurance Group. Yeah, Ordmanet and Black Sheep Cycling. And uh, so, you know, the three of them, uh, we'll be able to touch on the three of them because they're all quite relevant for today's stage, actually. Definitely. definitely. Just I'll say, I've got my car insurance with Honan. Ali had a black sheep kit on today, and Mike's a millionaire because of Ordmanet. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a winning combination. And before we continue... Talk about your day, Chills. You rode with somebody very special, somebody yeah. that knows this yeah, race. Yeah, my mate, he burnt me. Yeah, no, Hollywood was trying to get a hold of him, and then I tried to get a hold of him, and he said, yeah, where can I meet you? But we, uh, I was uh, luckily enough to meet with Richie Port this morning. We went out for the laser ride, the Shimano ride. Um, they've just launched a brand-new helmet, which was fantastic. So Richie and I were there their models for the day and uh, sales have gone backwards since but uh, he's just such a legend that guy like so many people going up to him made time for everyone and it's just yeah such a great guy for uh, cycling and just so good that he's retired and he's still involved in the sport he's doing so much this week for the sport and involved in you know he's doing GCN he's doing um, the Wollonga obviously time trial and he actually said I need to get a hold of Sarah Giganti, actually, because 
the whole thing is Sarah wants to try to beat Richie's time up Wollonga. And Richie said, I don't want to go one to two, one one on one with you. I want to lead you out. I want to lead you into it. So I hope I do hope that happens, but uh, we'll see. So yeah, that's all happening well, as well. Well, Richie, if you're listening, get stuck for burning me. So anyway, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> and he still loves to swim, doesn't he? He's doing some cracking times over 100 meters. Oh, he doesn't love he doesn't love people that much, to be honest. So he just came <laughs> swimming. He went. Yeah. He, he did a double session today. How many, 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 Join us. Uh, we are the awesome three, right? And yes. uh, our very special guest makes it four. His name is Nick Owen. He's one of Australia's most respected and highly qualified high-performance sports scientists. Nick has developed and groomed the best riders in Australia. They include national double road champion in Lucas Plapp and uh, Ruby Roseman Gannon, just to name a couple. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome Nick to the microphone of the Domestics. Nick, welcome. Thanks, Mike. Really appreciate it. You are an honorary domestic. Making me, making me blush. I think I might record that intro and use it as my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll charge big money, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really nice. Thanks for having me. It's really, really cool to be here. Well, how do you view the domestic? First of all, tell us about your background, where you've come from, yes, and how you got to where you are. Yes, I was a sport, uh, sports scientist at the VIS for 12 years, working in mostly in a cycling program, but also with swimming for one of, for the 2016 Olympic cycle, oh. uh, we, which was really good. We, were, we had some, we had six people at the Rio Olympics for swimming, including Matt Horton, who won a gold medal. Um, so that was really, really cool to be able to work with those guys. And then I was also working with cycling and the paracycling team. And in the last three years, I've made the transition to Oz Cycling to work, well, mostly with the paracycling team, but also working with some of the riders that you said, like Luke and Ruby and you know a few others. Is that done privately, like Luke and yeah. Ruby and Georgie? That's not through Cycle Australia, that's on your own? Yeah, that's privately. There's a little bit of crossover with some national team stuff, but yes, yeah. it's most, mostly private stuff. Well, tell us how uh, the performance of Ruby in particular over the last couple of weeks has pleased you. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, I'm just so happy for her to win the road, the road race. It's a race that she's wanted for so long, like, and she's been, I wouldn't say unlikely, like, mm. I wouldn't say unlucky, but she's been in the form to win it the last three years and um it was definitely achievable last year and the year before the race just didn't pan out that way for her but this year she was just dominant the way she raced she just covered every move um she was completely in control of the race and i, I kind of halfway through i i just had a feeling that she was going to win it and i was yeah. just so happy that she won it do you, seeing it was the same course do you give them the same training or it's completely no slightly this was slightly different they went it, this was a bit different um not not significantly different like Physiology training is physiology training, but she they, she went pretty hard for summer. She she's wanted to she wanted to do well um, at road nationals and she wanted to do well at TDU and Cadells. So she's probably a bit more forward in her prep than she was last year, which doesn't guarantee you're going to win. I mean, everyone's fit, um, but it was yeah. We made some slight differences. Was we did we did some altitude training which she hadn't done in the summer before, which was which was a good addition. And she focused on her sprint a bit more than she did last year in, in summer and just doing her sprint training a little bit differently than what we did last year. And I think it paid off. Her sprint was great. I know we're launching straight into Nick. We'll come back around, I'm sure, a lot of times to, to you know, anything. Just, it, it's incredible. I can't imagine how much your phone must have lit up when you've got the double national oh, champion, wow. Nick yeah. Owen. Here he is. But, uh, well, I, one, one question I had um, particularly around Ruby was how do you balance... Uh, 
somewhat peaking in the Australian summer and then trying to keep that form going for the spring classics and beyond? Yeah, they don't, they don't, they're not, it's a good question because it's hard for the Euro pros to, I, I find it hard to, to um, train them for summer because they want to go well and there's pressure on the Australian, especially the Jayco riders, there's a lot of pressure to do well. But like you said, you can't peak like it's the World Championships because they've got her Ruby season. If she makes the Olympics, it'll be it's an eight-month season, and you can't stay up for eight months. So it is quite challenging in terms of getting them good enough that they can win. You know, they've got the goal for the JK team is to win summer because they want the jersey, um, but also not to have them going too well. Like she's not peaking; she's probably at about eighty-five percent at the moment. Well, just on that, what is Ruby and Lucas's priorities this year? Is it? the big races of the World Tour, or is it the Olympics? Well, I think if you ask them, it would be the Olympics. I think for both of them. I know for Luke, for the time trial, one of his big goals is the, Olymp is the Olympic time trial. That's that's really something he's got his heart set on. Uh, and Ruby for the road race, like she's she's really, really keen on making it. It's, it's hard to get selected for the Olympics, so they've still both got a bit of work to do to get selected, because the quota spots that we get are quite small. Like the women have only got three spots. I, w I would think that Grace will get one as the as the you know runner up in the time trial, so she'll ride the road, and then there's two other spots, so it's hard to hard to qualify. Surely Luke would be certainty from the time trial being a national champion. Surely I would. I, I mean, if I was on, if I was on the selection panel, <laughs> I would pick him. But um, look, those selections are they're a bit more complicated than what you think. It, they'll they'll weigh up where they see the best chance of a medal, and if it's in the time trial for Luke, great. Um, if it's in the road race and They've got limited spots, but they've got a certain rider that they'll ride for, and they don't see Luke as someone who can help that rider. Then maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. I, I think he'll get selected. I think yeah. he will. Um, hopefully, they both do. We're hearing next year's uh, national road championships will be held in February. Yeah. That must come as a relief to many of the Australians who will have more time to prepare. Yeah, yeah, I heard that too. I don't know if that's been. It hasn't been announced. Yeah, I haven't. I have, and I have. I've only heard rumours of that as well. I haven't heard it being confirmed. But yeah, I think that would be a good a good thing is if you've got TDU and hope maybe Sun Tour beforehand and then you've got Nationals and, and they can leave. Um, yeah, I think we just have to wait to see what the calendar says because they, they could start Sun Tour in the first week of January and then it's no different. I know you're employed by Oz Cycling, but if uh, you had a wish list of riders on the World Tour that you could prepare, that you could work on, yeah. Are there any that come to mind? Oh, I, I wouldn't mind working with Pogacar. I think it'd be <laughs> a lot of fun. You wouldn't have to do. You wouldn't have to do anything. <laughs> it would make, <laughs> <a little, laughs> make me look pretty good. <laughs> no, I think. I, yeah, I, I think someone like that would be. I think it would be quite challenging actually to work with someone like him. He's so naturally talented and gifted that that trying to make him um, improve and get better would, would would be quite challenging. I don't know if he's got a. I, I know he's an old coach. I'm not sure if he has got a coach. If he hasn't got a coach, I'd be. Can you challenge it? Send your resume and tell yeah. me. Another rider you coach, Jaco Alua rider Georgie Howe, you've been with her since the start. She was uh, came from rowing, just riding in the Knights of Suburbia, riding the bunches yeah. around Melbourne, who was destroying me in bunches, and now she's riding for Jaco's second year, mind not, you. Not even. Georgie's story was cool. Like, it's kind of a dream, like, by chance story. I was right. I, I had done North Road Ride, probably with you on it. Yeah. And I'd I'm going to say I got dropped. I'm going to say I pulled off the back of it. Set I up, got, yeah, set, I set, set up. I tactfully, tactfully set up. <laughs> and then I was riding to um, Albert Park and I rode next to this right rider. And I didn't know, I had a vague idea of, I didn't know who she was, but yeah. I had a vague, a vague resemblance of, of knowing her. Yeah. And we were riding together for maybe 15 minutes and my, I, it was nearly harder than North Road Ride while we were chatting. 
and neither of us really. I think we both knew that we knew each other, but we yeah. didn't know. How? We'd never met or yeah. ever chatted. But Georgia was a rower at the VIS when I was working there, mm-hmm. so I think that's where we. That's yeah. obviously where we knew each other from. And I said to her on the ride, which I don't normally do, like, "What are you doing with cycling? Like, is this something you wanted to do? Because you look like you, you, you know, my heart rate's 160. Yeah, at the yeah. moment you were talking. Like, is it something that you want to do? You know, going yeah. Yeah, down the track. And she never, she didn't even know it was a career. And then wow. I gave her my number and started chatting to her, and I started coaching her. And then she rode the Grand Fondo a couple of months later and got second. And then the next year she signed with Nazi Suburbia, which is the I ride for Nazi Suburbia. Yeah. So I kind of begged them to sign her. Just on a, just as a as, yeah. as a guess, you know, that maybe she could be good. And then the first race was Tour of Gippsland that she won and get an 80k solo breakaway and then second at nationals the next year and now she's riding pro. Like it's just an awesome wow. story. It's, it's really cool. Such a dream yeah, it's really cool. And she's such a great person. Like I love Georgie. Yeah. Such a such a, a good person, a good family. Very intelligent too. She went to Princeton, didn't yeah, she? On a scholarship. To, I steer clear oh, of please. any. She did. just asked yeah, her she and she'll tell you. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> any any, cool, any intellectual conversations so. I steer clear of from Georgie and Ruby. I just move it to something like footy or. Yeah, footy. <laughs> yeah, footy <laughs> Nick, part of your job, of course, is uh, to prepare for elite cyclists, but you also are involved with the para cycling movement. How difficult is it? Or easy is it? Are they are the paracyclists much easier to work with than say the elite? Yeah, I don't find them harder. They're very gracious athletes. They're very um, appreciative of any support that they get. They're they're great athletes in their own right. Like we've got some world class, world class, absolute world class para athletes. They also would be good able bodied athletes. Like Al Donahue, who I coach for many years, rode the under twenty three able bodied road worlds. He was third, fourth and fourth in the under 23 national road race. Like he's a he's a star. Able-bodied rider is a star and he's a superstar paracyclist. There is some different, obviously there are some differences based off their impairment and some of them are, you can coach essentially as able-bodied athletes and some of them are very, very complicated. But it's really, really, I, I love it. I love working with a para group. It's just really, really satisfying to work with them and they're just great people. The whole team are, are just great. Great people. Did you ever work with Hannah McDougall? Yeah, I coached yep. Hannah for many oh, years. Yeah. yeah, I coached her for most of her cycling career. Yeah. Um, Nick, as a um, sports scientist, how do you keep up with, I guess, the, the um, you know, the research that's coming out? But equally, how do you push aside a lot of the bullshit that comes out yeah. around, like, and all of the fads that are coming out? Um, you know, you, you speak of Tade Pogacar, and I guess um, it can be really secretive of what's happening in the cycling um, teams. But then on the other side, in the triathlon, they're all they tell yeah. you, they, you know, they YouTube everything they're doing in their lactate testing or their, you know, their zone t- now zone two is all the rage and yeah. all that sort of training. How do you decipher all of that? Yeah, I, I look. Sports science is quite a small industry worldwide. It's not a lot of people, and you kind of know. If you don't know someone personally, you know you know them through one other person. It's not a it's not a great it's not a huge industry. There's probably 50 people who are working at in, in international oh it'd be even less in international cycling. So it's not a it's it's not a reach to, to get information off people. So I know you know we've got some good good physiologists in Australia and, and in Australia we've got some really good ones. So they we also like help keep each other updated. Um, you do need to have a, like a pretty high bullshit meter because there is lots of wherever there's money, there's you know the people trying to sell dreams and things. So you have to have you have to be quite critical of things initially. You know, it, it's a real fine line between just being negative of everything and saying no, 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 and then actually being open-minded enough to look for things that are different and new. Um, I think it just comes with experience. 
Yeah. You also seem like someone, Nick, who has a bit of a no dickhead policy because yeah. um, you've got, um, <laughs> I say that because you've got some wonderful athletes. Like, I absolutely love, you know, Georgie Howe, yeah. Ruby Rose McGann, Luke Clapp, he's yeah. one of the most gorgeous guys to, to have already achieve what he's done. He could have the biggest ego in the room. Yeah. The other one, Jensen Plowright, yeah. he's one of yours as yeah. well. Oh, really? Jensen, yeah. he turned, that. he's one of Australia's best sprinters, yeah. rides for Alps and um, Phoenix, and he, um, he the other week he was volunteering, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Out at Bright, Tour yeah. of Bright, yeah. Tour of Bright. He's, 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 he's a was, pro. He yeah. was driving the lead car in my race what, in Masters Eight. What That's a legend! It. He came yeah. up to our team. Some of the girls who are only eighteen in our team. He made sure he came up, said hello to every single one. You seem to be developing good yeah. humans. I think as well. Jensen. Oh, I mean, they're good humans. It's not. It's not. Jensen's been a good human since I met him. He's got good parents. Yeah. Jen, Jen, Jensen does the, like I think for the people who don't know Jensen, the real Jensen is completely different. Like he's he he's the, got the biggest heart of probably anyone I've ever worked with. Mm. Um, he does things and he never ever tells people. Like he wouldn't tell anyone that he did tour no. right. He he he, yeah, he helps he out with charities. He never never talks about it. Like he does so much for so many people and never discusses it. He's just a great. But if you didn't know him, you go, oh look at this arrogant yeah, freak. You he's yeah. a you know sprinter. Look yeah. at his old show, and then you yeah. just wouldn't realize how much of a gorgeous. No, place. he's That's just a great. He's a, I mean, they're all they're all they are they're all great people, and it's it's not an official no dickhead policy. Okay. But I think that just the group makes people the group that trains together make they they pull themselves into line, and they they all end up being good people. I saw Clappy's uh, post race interview today for stage mm. two, and. I tell you what, he, he might be a nice guy away from the bike, but he's turning into a real animal. He's growing yeah. with confidence is what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's so good to see for such a young fella. He's learning every day, isn't he? And he didn't win the stage for stage two, yeah. but I think he learned a lot. Yeah, I think so. He is. And it's a real, you've got to have that, that competitiveness when they race. And I, like, that's something that like, I really push at. Like, I, I think you've got to have, you know, I call it competitive intelligence. You've got, you've got to be able to turn it on and off. And, and they're... The ones who win have that. Like Ruby, I mean, Ruby's anyone who's met Ruby, she's the nicest person you could ever meet. But you watch her race, and my God, like I race with Ruby now, and she, like, she's ruthless with me, and I coach her. Like, she will take my front wheel out, no problem at all. (laughs) With the coaching, do you you talk about nutrition at all, or do you leave that to the dietitians, or is that, do you sort of slip into there as well? It depends. So, most, the ones that have, the ones that are riding professionally or with the Australian team, they've got. They've got yep. basically all of the support that they would need. Uh, they're, they're not all in that situation. So the ones that don't aren't in that situation, I would help with nutrition. My nutrition knowledge is okay. It's not certainly not what a nutritionist or a dietitian is, but it's the fundamentals of it are pretty good. Let's come back to Nick in just a moment. Let's talk about the stage today. Uh, it certainly was a refreshing change in terms of the temperatures. 15 degrees cooler today than it was in the stifling heat of stage one. The riders left Adelaide. The Adelaide suburb of Norwood. It didn't take long for the climbs to start. The upward slope to Norton Summit arrived after just five kilometres into the stage. And from there, the peloton basically rolled its way around the Adelaide Hills. 145 kilometres of total distance. And it concluded on a circuit of around 34 k's, which the riders completed three times. So that meant three opportunities for the king of the mountain. There was a two-rider breakaway. They stayed away for a hell of a long time, 120 kilometres. Who were they? Well, one was an Aussie. Not sure if he had, had anything to do with him. Luke Burns from the Australian national team. Oh, he's from Bridge Lane. He's Bridge Lane, exactly right, Tills. And the young Dutchman, very young, 21 years of age, Dutchman Yardi van der Lee. Never heard of him before, but he rode for uh, rides for EF Education. They were swamped. And what I saw at the end was something quite remarkable. It was a tornado-like finish from a 20-year-old Mexican... Isaac Del Toro, 
who raced to the finish like a runaway bull. Can I tell you what Toro means in Spanish? Uh, you're charging? Bull. <laughs> it means bull, literally. Toro means bull. Well, the, and that's, um, what he said. That, that's what he looked like. Yeah, well, actually, uh, I sort of, I missed a little bits of the uh, of the finishes. And, and, you know, obviously Channel 7 are doing an amazing job at going to an ad break with 3K to go. <laughs> However, um, just in case they ever want a job there, they're doing a great job. <laughs> but, any, but Isaac Del Toro, that name popped up to me straight away because he was the winner of Tour de Lavinia. This, ah, this past year, which black, which black sheep sponsor, well, sponsor. and go. so not just that, but this this kid who won um, the Tour de Lavenir. You know, we know that Tour de Lavenir has at Egan Bernal, um, Tade Pogaccia, um, Jai Hindley, um, all these sort of you know the, the under twenty three Tour de France. And so, what's he's got an amazing story because he. He'd been injured quite badly for the few years and no one knew him. So he hadn't been signed, couldn't get a contract. He had tentatively signed for some uh, obscure Spanish Conti team uh, last year. And then he goes and wins the Tour de l'Avenir. UAE call him up. He's suddenly signed, like his world changed. It was just huge. And the whole of Mexico, they, the, the, the party was enormous. Like we were asked at Black Sheep if we could produce 50 jerseys of his as a replica for oh, him wow. to give away at some sort of fan day. Anyway, so the kid, like if you see his trajectory, he's neo pro, very, second race as a professional, and he's won at World Tour. But someone reminded me, I think Michael Matthews did something similar when he was at Rabobank. I don't know if anyone can remember. Jules, it's such a good story. You're so right. And it's great to see uh, uh, riders from non-traditional cycling nations, like Mexico. I mean, when was the last time we saw a Mexican win a stage on the World Tour? I can't remember. It's normally the Colombians. It's normally the, the, the riders from that particular part of the world. So it's so good to see somebody else from a different country, a non-traditional cycling country. And the reaction when he gave that interview post-race today, he, he was speechless. He mm. just couldn't put two words together. It's wonderful television and that's what sport's all about. And I just love him. I think he's great. And I checked out his age. He was born in 2003, the 27th of November. I know what I was doing on the 27th of November, 2003. It wasn't that long ago. That's how young he is. <laughs> I, I just tell you now, I came from the top of Greenhill Road and I saw three, F, three EF riders doing extras out there. So really? Just, yeah, seriously. I was out at the top of Greenhill and three uh, EF guys just rode past doing extras. So it might not be that hard today this stage. Nick, um, you have Luke and um, Jensen in, in the peloton. Um, how's it looking for them? And um, how is it for Green, Green Edge? Because I saw um, I saw Jayco on the front quite a lot today and trying to control the bunch. It felt like. Do you feel like maybe they're doing too much work? Like they, they want it, they really desperately want it that the other teams are making it, letting them do all the work? Yeah, I'm not sure. I missed some of the race because I was driving from the Paris Cycling World Cup to here um, today. Oh, possibly. I know that. I know this is a big race for them, for, for an Australian team in Australia. Like they desperately want to win it. Um, they, they do carry a bit of extra pressure in Australia. Um, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too sure if they're doing too much. Do you think, hand on heart, do you think Luke Platt can win the Tour Down Under? Oh, look, I think he. I think he can. But there will be a lot of things that would have to happen. Um, like he's got a very, very good teammate in Simon Yates, who could also easily, you know, he could he yeah, could win it got too. Last year, yeah, so he, yeah, you know, he's a he's a he's a world class rider. So I think you know, saying Luke can win it, I think physically he can win it. 
um, whether whether he does win it is a very different story. What advice do you give him day by day? Oh, tactical advice. Nothing. I don't. I, when they're racing, I don't have much to do with the riders. Like I, unless they want to talk to me about something, I, I don't give them any tactical advice. That's that Matt Heyman's looking after the team, so Matt knows a bit more about cycling than tactics than I do. All right, well, let's just remind everybody of the GC. Del Toro, of course, is on top. He has the Leadership wow. Oka jersey on stage three. That's tomorrow. Corbin Strong, another young Aussie in second place. Not sure how long he'll stay there. Uh, Biniam Gourmet, he is, uh, he's a gun, isn't he? The guy from Eritrea in Africa. And uh, Caleb's up there in the top 10. How, did you, how do you rate his uh, sprint finish today? He, he seemed to be getting better and stronger after after two days of racing. Just a correction, because uh, we obviously have a lot of Kiwi followers. Mike Corbin Strong's a Kiwi. Oh, but, is he? Um, I know, that's a bit hard to see the stars. Uh, yeah, those so guys, we're going to change flags. always try and claim any We're going to change flags. We pull them under, pull them under our arm and no, say they're ours. I'll play my coaching. Oh, I'll, call, I'll play <laughs> Sorry, Mike, what was your question? My question was, how did you rate uh, Caleb's performance today? I thought he was much better in that sprint, even though he, he, he finished outside at the top three. Gosh, he looked cooked after yesterday. It was really, it was so hot. I think he just would have loved um, the reprieve in the weather. Um, just with being sick, his heart rate would have been through the roof yesterday. You know how hard it is to come back. And the heat just sort of makes it so much harder. So I think he'll get better and better as the week goes on. And there's a really flat stage coming up in a few days that where he'll have um, another opportunity. So yeah, remember, it's a new team. It's I don't know how many times these guys have got together, but it's uh, it's difficult for them to, you know, I think they're doing a good job when some of these teams have been together for, um, you know, a few seasons. Yeah, I think he must have done a great, to, to get to the finish, he did a great job. They were like Luke went hard up, up Fox Creek, and they were lined out chasing him. To, for him to get to the finish, I think it was just a great effort. Now, with your coaching, do you think you could turn a bum donkey into a champion if you got me in your stable? Oh, you take me under your wing? I'm not sure. Uh, I, mean, I, be, <laughs> I don't know if you're coachable. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. You could be the most challenging. You know, if there's like 90, like 10% of the people take up 90% of your time, yeah, I mean, you might be in that 10%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nick, I've got one, one last lunch. Can you give us any insight into one of your key sessions that you give your riders where you know if they if they hit that session, oh, good question. then yeah. they're going good. They're on fire. We're on track here. We're on, we're on something special here. Oh, I mean... And it's going to be a shocking answer, but it, like it depends. Like it depends. It's yeah. a depends answer because there's no kind of key outside of doing te testing. There's no kind of key session that we use because it's a bit different based off the rider and where they are in their prep. I think you can just you can tell off the training. Like I could tell Ruby and Luke are going well, but just based off their training, just off their tra the training and the density of training that they've been able to do. Um, yeah, outside of testing and racing, I don't think there's a clear. There's like a clear session that you can look at and go, well, you're on. Okay, so I didn't get that information I needed, but so yeah, write no, that yeah, down. Sorry. And then just finally, um, uh, what rider, and because I heard Ruby answer this yeah. yesterday, so I'm right. curious of your, your answer. Yeah, what uh, what um, style of rider do you think, because Luke and Ruby are still so yeah. young and they're, they're sort of in between a few of a, you yeah. know, a, a sprinter, a roulette, mm. a climber. Where do you think they go? Where What race do you think they will be their bread and butter. Yeah, I didn't listen to Ruby's interview, so I can't copy <laughs> her answer. I, I, I think Ruby's not a pure sprinter. Uh, I, again, someone like Lorena Webus, I don't see her. I mean, she could beat her, but I don't see her consistently beating her. I, I don't think she's a climber 
as Sarah Sarah Diana's a climber. I, don't, I think she's somewhere in between. Which for Ruby, like that's most races. Like most races are in the world tour aren't dead flat sprints and they're not mountain finishes. Like, like Simon Gerrans, you know how we yeah, similar sort of to that. that type of rider. I think so, and that's a, that's a good place for her to be because it gives her many many opportunities to to contest for a win rather than just being a pure climber or a pure sprinter. And that's we, we, she's spoken about that for since she was a junior. Like what sort of rider she. I mean, your physiology kind of, your parents dictate eventually what you're going to be, but that's the sort of rider, the sort of rider she's becoming is the sort of rider she wants to be, which is a really versatile rider who can do lots of different things. Luke, I don't know. Uh, I, I really don't know. I, I mean, I don't think anyone knows what, what he can do, especially over three weeks in the Grand Tour. He's untested. Um, we'll find out, you know. I think he's definitely going to be good over short stage races, five to seven days. I think he'd be like very good at now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, UAE Paris. Those shorter tours already now he's shown shown that he can be very, very good at. Whether he can extend that out to three weeks. Because the thing with the Grand Tour is you can't have a bad day if you want to win. Oh. You've got to do three weeks without a bad day. In a five day tour. Luck. And have, and have lots of luck. So whether he can show that he can do that, I don't know. Physiologically, yes, he's not far away. He's got a different program this year though, doesn't he? He's not going over to UAE easy like he did last year where he got second? He's not doing UAE, so he's doing Paris and the Giro is his main, first main goal. But Nick, he could develop Flappy as a uh, classics rider as well. I mean, what yeah. he did at the Nationals this year was quite quite incredible to win yeah. by that huge margin. Do you think that's the case? Possibly. Possibly. I think we'll find out. I think, I think this year will be a bit of experimenting. The team will, will want to see what he can do. I think the ultimate goal would be to have him as a, G, uh, as a GC rider. Uh, ultimately, and if it's not possible, then work back from there. Just a couple of things I noticed on today's television coverage. Nothing to do with the racing, but the commentary. Peter Mullins. How good did she perform in her debut? Yeah, I heard some snippets of it, some highlights, and she's just beautiful on the microphone. She was really, really good. Outstanding. Nick, you heard some yeah, of it. Yeah, chapeau. Really good. I didn't know. I saw her in a foyer, and I, I had just figured she'd been doing it for a long time, and I hadn't heard her. She was brilliant. Uh, really, really good. Hats off to her. Big fan. Well, yeah, I, think, I think we have unearthed another female commentator uh, to rival the best Another of them. commentator, she's just good. Another yeah. commentator to rival the best good. of them, yeah, yep. exactly right. Um, another thing I noticed in the coverage, uh, Elia Viviani from Ineos Grenadiers had an issue with his pedal and the team mechanic had to turn himself inside out to get to the pedal from his car window but on the other side of the bike. It was oh, quite wow. incredible. Did you see that? No, I didn't see that. Uh, uh, these guys, they deserve a lot of credit, these team mechanics, the way they perform. And the commentator made a really pertinent comment. Unlike other sports where the game has stopped, the racing never stops. Yeah, that's true. Uh, when there's a mechanical in this case. Okay, well, that's just about well, it, I think. Nick, yeah, question. go ahead. You're going to be able to help me out at Sandown when we race in Master, Masters. Well, mate, but we're both normally sitting second and last, second last and last wheel. So, what Hollywood, if you've got any personal <laughs> issues, if you've got any personal <laughs> issues you want to conduct with those, you can do it in your own time, okay? <laughs> Well, that's our uh, edition uh, of the Domestics. Uh, stage three tomorrow, it's back into the hills. It's around 145 kilometres. Not so uh, hilly, but pretty lumpy nonetheless. Um, I had a look at the course earlier. It could be one for the sprinters, but we'll have to wait and see. Go Toro, go the ball. Nick, a massive year for you. Good luck uh, in an Olympic year. You're Paralympians. Yeah. You're, I, I, yeah, I hope you, you know you have some of your team selected. It's always really difficult, but um, what you're doing for Oz Cycling is paramount for the sport. So thank you. And yeah, good thanks. Luck. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure.
the domestics by Black Sheep Sideman. <laughs> 